Once again, I'm Brett Vriesman. I'm uh, the director of Youth and Young Adults here at Twin Falls Reformed Church. A couple of weeks ago, we unveiled our new vision and direction for TFRC, and it's that the gospel is real and that the gospel changes everything. Having a vision to rally around is such an important aspect of uniting people with a common goal. It gives us a way uh, to get to where we want to head, and it gets us excited about where, what we're doing and where we're going. Now, recently, uh, do we have any college football fans? Any college football fans? Any, any BSU fans? Raise your hand. There's not as many this year, I'm noticing. Uh, sorry, it's been a little rough. But a couple weeks ago, I was able to go to a BSU game with my pops, and uh, there's this phenomenon that happens at a BSU game. On one side of the stadium, the crowd will yell, Boise! And then the other side will yell, <clears throat> not quite as apathetic, but yes, you get the general principle. And, and so this would go back and forth throughout the game. And what was so cool is you've got all these people from a variety of backgrounds, different socioeconomics and culture, but when it comes to Boise State, they're united. They have this common love or common belief in a team that brings them all together in unity. That's the goal of a vision for us. As followers of Jesus, we want to have something that we rally around, something that inspires us, something that gets us excited, that unites us together so that we can live out our faith and mission that we have here in the Magic Valley. The gospel is real, and the gospel changes everything. That should be the phrase that gets us going. The gospel is not just another feel-good story. It's real. And it changed the course of history, and it changes our reality. Because we believe this, there's eight directives that we feel compelled to live out as a body of believers. There, there are eight directives that's going to drive what it is we do in the church. Those are biblical obedience, spirit-led, safe haven, meeting Jesus, transformed lives, missional impact, future-focused, and ever-expanding. This fall, what we're doing is we're looking at each of those eight directives in depth so that we can better understand and figure out how it is we're going to get to where we're going next. As we lean into this new vision and begin to live out these directives, we should start seeing it impact the ministry that we're doing here. It should more and more shape our ministry culture. And what's cool is we're already making an effort to, for that to happen. Last week, Chuck talked about biblical obedience. And one of the exciting things that we're doing is our children's ministry is really emphasizing biblical obedience this year. Because of this initiative, uh, they're, they're doing some creative new programming for our Wednesday nights. They're incentivizing in, in some really cool ways, reading and memorizing God's word, being able to have conversations with parents when they go home. Some really exciting things in our children's ministry. You see, it's one thing to get our kids into God's word. But it's another for God's word to be in our kids. And that is what we're going for. That's what our, our children's ministry is doing to try to be more biblically obedient 
uh, as we lean into our new vision. We're so excited about the potential that this new vision has in every single aspect of our, of our ministry. And we're all going to be using it to filter what it is we do. This week, we're going to be looking at the directive of being spirit-led. Now that phrase can elicit some different responses in different Christians. For some of us, we might instantly go to like slam the spirit, you know, pass out on stage. Uh, other of us, we might go more to, uh, well, what about biblical authority? You know, where does that fit into things? And we might get a little skeptical. And there's some of us just like, amen. And we're just all on it. But regardless of where you stand, being spirit-led is an incredibly important aspect of our faith and in following Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at the nature of the Holy Spirit, how we can be spirit-led, and what this potentially means for us individually and as a church. Our passage for today can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Our scripture reader for the day is uh, Marie Cunningham. And at TFRC, we like to prioritize reading scripture at the center of the room and standing and facing scripture as a reminder of the role it plays in our lives. So would you all please stand up and, and join us for the reading of scripture? And then, uh, Marie, when you're ready, go ahead and start. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh which its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking and envying each other. Thanks, Marie. You, you can all be seated. In the first sentence of our passage today, the author, Paul, tells us to walk by the Spirit. When we choose to walk by the Spirit, we are being Spirit-led. And being led by the Holy Spirit is an incredibly important part of being a follower of Jesus. In John 16, 13, Jesus talks a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. It says there, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. What Jesus says about the Holy Spirit here gives us great insight 
about the role he plays in our lives and the role he plays as a part of the triune God. The Holy Spirit allows for us to hear the truth we find in Scripture. Through the truth that we hear, the Holy Spirit equips, empowers, and convicts us of the things he wants us to do and be in our lives. He plays the role of advocate in our relationship with God and tells us what God and his word are trying to communicate to us. He's also the third person in the triune God. What's so beautiful is the relationship that they have together. You see, God spoke the word. Jesus was the word. And the Holy Spirit hears the word and listens and, and helps us understand what God is trying to speak to us. He allows for us to understand the different things in Scripture that maybe are difficult for us to understand. You might think of him as the divine translator. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. But just because he dwells inside of us doesn't mean that we always stop, listen, and obey. We don't always follow his leading. We have to be willing and open to be sensitive to the Spirit's influence in our lives. Our directive of being Spirit-led is us as a church wanting to prioritize the element of our faith that is so important to being followers of Jesus, and that is listening to and following the Spirit's leading. Verse 16 and 17 says in our passage, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. These two verses highlight uh, a struggle we face as we attempt to be Spirit-led. There's this internal struggle between the Spirit and something called the flesh. Paul talks of this often. Within each of us, there's this carnal, sinful nature that wants us to appease our desires, our personal desires. It's our human instinct. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become in conflict with that desire because of the Holy Spirit speaking God's truth into our lives. We all have those moments where we struggle to choose between living the way that God wants us to and giving into our desires. To see this concept played out, something you could do is uh, make a fresh batch of cookies. Then invite a child to come over. And then before leaving the room, tell that child, hey, listen, you can't have any cookies. I'm going to head out for a second you will see our little sinful nature begin to play itself out. You will see the flesh at work. You might see him begin to wrestle with the idea, oh man, they smell really good. Or, uh, uh, well, what if I just took like one? Or maybe if I didn't take it, then she'd just give me one. You start to see this child begin to, to grapple with what's right and what's wrong, and there's a struggle that takes place. On a regular basis, we deal with that same conflict. We, we decide whether or not we should give in to our desires or follow what the Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives. 
This passage gives us a great checklist to see which influence we tend to listen to and follow most. Verses 19 through 21 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we look at the acts of the flesh, I'm going to guess there's more than a few that stand out to us, that maybe convict us a little bit, things that we struggle with. I, I know I see it. The acts of the flesh are interesting because many times they give us instant gratification. They make us feel good in that moment. But when it's done, you feel hollow, incomplete. When I find myself uh, struggling or having a stressful life, there's, there's one act of the flesh that really stands out to me from this list. And it's the word rage. And I wouldn't call myself a rage monster by any means. But I lose my temper. I get short. I get angry when life gets hard. One of the things I like to do for fun is go and play basketball. Luckily, my body still holds up enough to kind of walk up and down the floor and play. A little over a year ago, I had an experience I wasn't too proud of where I gave into my anger a little bit while playing. I'm sure no other athletes have ever given into their anger while playing. But it had been a rough day, and I was feeling stressed out, so I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to go blow off some steam. I'm going to play some basketball, get it out. And I'm a naturally pretty large man. And with that comes a certain level of physicality, and I like it. It's fun. But with that physicality, uh, there's problematic things that can happen. Uh, you see, I was perceiving that I was getting fouled a lot, and I was getting frustrated. But before, before playing, I told myself, you know what? It's not a big deal. I'm not getting a scholarship, not going pro, just have fun. So I get fouled. Okay, not a big deal, Brett. Just keep playing. All right, so keep playing. Get fouled. All right, Brett, not a big deal. Keep playing. There's, this happens throughout the night. And I'm good until one time. Everyone has a breaking point, and I had reached it. It was somewhat inevitable. And I decided I got fouled, and I was angry that I got fouled because I've been getting fouled all night. So I was going to make a statement. I was going to send a message. So that next play, when the, when the other team got the ball, I was going to go hard for the ball. And if I got it, I got it. And if not, message sent. They would probably feel my foul, my wrath. Um, so the other team gets the ball. And I, I book it. You know, I'm like a freight train running at them as slow as I can. And... I, I, I raise my arm up as high as I can. I swipe down as hard as I can. And I completely miss the ball. But I didn't, if you know what I'm saying. He drops to the floor, curls up in a ball, and starts wailing. And in that moment, the wind-up moment, it felt so good. I'm like, this guy's going to get it. But as I see him writhing in pain on the ground, after I hit him, 
I feel like hot garbage. I feel terrible. What did I do? That's what the acts of the flesh usually do in our lives. You see, in the moment, it feels so good, so vindicating. But then after the fact, we question who we are and what we're doing. Now, for the record, uh, him and I are still good buds. We, we talked about it afterwards. I, I, I apologized and um, probably won't do that again. It was a good life lesson for me. But um, one thing that we need to be aware of is letting those acts of the flesh that we struggle with begin to influence our lives in a way that dictates what we do most often. I don't remember the details of, you know, how I got fouled that night, but I vividly remember the mistake that I made in, in hitting that guy. So my question for you is, which act of the flesh do you find yourself struggling with most? Is it rage, like me? Is it sexual immorality? Is it idolatry? Hatred? Jealousy? Or any of the others that were mentioned? We're human, so there's going to be those times where we mess up. There's going to be those times where we stumble. But it's important for us to be aware that we're not giving into that on a regular basis to where it starts being the filter through which we live our lives. Now, after listing the acts of the flesh, Paul then goes on to describe what it looks like to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And it does this through the fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is the result or byproduct of us living in step with the Spirit. Verse 22 and 23 says what those are. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is quite a contrast in lists, isn't it? The flesh embraces giving into oneself, where the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, leans into denying oneself. Less about us, more about God. The fruit of the Spirit reflects the person who Jesus was. As we live into being Spirit-led, we're going to begin to see that our life will better begin to reflect who Jesus is. We'll find that we have more joy and patience and a greater capacity uh, to see God's goodness and faithfulness. We'll start to conduct ourselves with a gentleness and a self-control. Doesn't that sound like a much more life-giving way of living than jealousy and hatred and all the above? Good question to ask ourselves. Does the fruit of the Spirit describe the attributes that flow from you, that flow from me? Does that describe who you are? If you were to look at the two lists, which description do you find yourself relating most with? Which one's most prevalent in your life? What if we could look in the mirror and see a person who greater reflected the second list? What if that list described our church 
described us as a body of believers? How would it change the way that we experience this time together, the community around us, and how would it change the way we engage our God? Being spirit-led is what allows us to live the Christian life in a way that God intended for us. It gives us the truth and perspective that we need to be able to fight the sinful nature of the world and of ourselves. But how do we listen? How do we follow the Holy Spirit's leading? In order to begin listening, begin following, we have to give him a time to speak. We have to give him the opportunity to speak into our lives. And we need to welcome him into all that we do. There's so many ways that we can begin to give the Spirit the opportunity to speak into our lives. We can do this through kind of the obvious God's Word, right? That's the role that the Holy Spirit can play in our lives, is He helps us understand Scripture that God, so that God can speak into our hearts. If we want to greater hear the Holy Spirit, then we need to be spending time in our Bibles regularly consistently filling our minds and our hearts with the word that makes us more available to hear what God is trying to show us, teach us, and lead us to. We can also give him the opportunity to speak through worship. As we give him our praise and we sing of his amazing nature, are you utilizing that time are you really giving your all as we sing those songs up to God? But it's not just about worship here. Worship is a broad concept. That's singing through worship. Worship through singing. Are you finding time in your regular schedule to acknowledge and give thanks for the goodness that God has and the great things he's done in your life for his sovereignty we give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to us also through prayer. As we pour out our hearts, the Spirit can illuminate God's desire for our hearts and for our lives. Do you forge yourself quality time every day to go before the living God and speak with him? As we pray, we lift up our praises and we lift up our concerns, but we're also to pray that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. We give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to us through creating times of silence. Silence and solitude where we can clear our minds and where we can begin to hear what God wants us to do. One of my favorite stories of the whole Bible, specifically the Old Testament, uh, is when the prophet Elijah goes to Mount Horeb and he encounters these amazing things. There's powerful winds uh, that tore mountains and shattered rocks. There's an earthquake and a fire. But it's not in any of those things that God shows up and speaks to him. It's when the gentle wind comes and the gentle whisper comes with it. We need to be creating spaces of quiet and solitude so that our soul focus can be listening to what the Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives. 
Lastly, we begin to follow and listen to the Holy Spirit when we welcome him into everything that we do. This means that we welcome him into what we do here in this building, but also what we do when we leave, when we're at work, when we're at home. Are you letting him impact the choices you make at work? Are you letting him into the interactions you have with those close relationships in your marriage, in your in your friendships, in your family? There's so much to let him into. In our time of worship, are you letting him into that space? You know, there's a lot of opportunities that we have where we, we have God trying to speak to us through the Holy Spirit and we either choose to say yes or we ignore it. Have you had one of those moments in church where you are praising God and you're like, I just want to stand. I just want to raise my hands. I want to give it all to him. Oh, but my armpits are sweaty. You know, no. Or are you, or maybe you don't want to be that first person. Or have you been driving down the road and you see that family struggling with their car and you're like, I should probably go and stop them. I should go stop and help them. Do you choose to say yes or do you keep going? Being spirit-led is saying yes to God. I've attended Twin Falls Reformed Church for my entire life. I'm probably like cognizant of about 30 of them. Um, I'm passionate about who we are, about what we've done and what we're about. In fact, I frequently half jokingly say that I don't think there's a single person that comes here that loves this place more than I do. And if you do, I'll take your, you know, I'll take it at the end of the, the service. But when I look in the mirror, and I individually, and I look at us, I find myself thinking that oftentimes, or maybe sometimes, we rely more on our heads than our hearts when it comes to living out our faith. And I want to explain what I mean by this statement. We are deeply committed to God's word here. That's totally obvious because of our priority of biblical obedience. And I think in general, we believe that the Holy Spirit is supposed to guide us. And I believe that it has guided us. It's, it's done our church justice. It has helped us get to where we are now. But I'm not convinced we do an amazing job, I do, amazing, or I do an amazing job, of being intentional and applying the concept of being spirit-led from the word and in my head to my heart in a way that forces us to act on it. I think we have room for improvement. Being spirit-led is having a familiarity with God that allows for us to move in the direction he's leading us and has to have total confidence in where he's sending us. Are we finding ourselves saying yes to those leadings? Are we welcoming him, welcoming him into all that we do? We often try to live out our faith in a way that's comfortable, but the Holy Spirit doesn't move us to the comfortable. 
He challenges us to fight our desires and to lean on God that requires us to deny ourselves. So maybe we need to ask ourselves, are we being too comfortable with where we're at in our faith? Or or is the Spirit leading us to a new avenue? Now all this being said, I once again believe that the Holy Spirit has guided this place and there have been moments in your life where he has guided you. But what if we were to be just a little bit more intentional? A little more aware? A little more willing to step into that beautiful unknown of being spirit-led? I think we would see amazing, life-giving transformation at an incredibly noticeable rate here. This fall, really excited, you got to meet Desi Kippis, our new small group uh, youth ministry coordinator. She is so awesome. She has such a heart for God. Uh, this, this year for small groups, we're doing a curriculum where we are going to be going through spiritual rhythms. And the goal of this is we're going to be teaching students how to pray, how to worship how to read their Bibles, in the attempt to make them more spirit-led. The more they know and understand these aspects of their lives, the greater they're going to be at following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited to see what God does through that this year. It's our hope for TFRC moving forward that we have a very inten- that we're very intentional about inviting the Holy Spirit, welcoming the Holy Spirit into everything that we do, because it's such an important aspect of following Jesus. Our passage today closes by giving us three closing reminders as we attempt to live out our lives being spirit-led. Verse twenty-four and tw- through twenty-six says, "Those who belong to G- Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit." Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The first reminder is for us to remember that as believers of Jesus, we have the ability, because of the Holy Spirit, to be above our desires. Now, that's not to say we're going to be perfect. We can't be that. But he gives us the opportunity to be able to conquer those things on a somewhat regular basis. The second reminder is for us to let the Holy Spirit direct our destination. As we make our decisions on where we're going and what we need to do to get there, make sure that we are letting the Holy Spirit create the path to get there. And the third reminder is to remember that uh, as we're being led, we need to remain content And we need to be humble with where the Spirit is leading us. That's part of that giving up your own desires piece. As a community of faith, we want to be in line with and influenced by the Holy Spirit's leading. As we do this, we look forward to and we expect God to do amazing things in our ministry and through this church and in our community. We want to encounter the Spirit in our prayer, in our worship services, through God's word, in our community, through, through active study of his word. And as we do that, we know that God's going to do great things. 
As we leave here this morning, I just want uh, to challenge you with one question. What's one thing that you can add to your daily routine? One practice that will help encourage you to live a more spirit-led life. What's something you can incorporate into your routine that will help you try to be more spirit-led? I'm excited to see where God leads us with this new vision of the gospel changing, the gospel being real and the gospel changing everything. And I think part of getting there to where we need to go is us leaning into being more spirit-led. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for everything that you've given us. Uh, Lord, we ask that as we continue to, to do your will and try to grow as a community, that we lean into being spirit-led. God, direct our steps and help us to rely on you to give us the information we need to do what you've called us to do. We love you and we ask that uh, you help us to lean on you in all, that, that all the struggles we may face in life. And God, just help this be a place where people know we're being led by the Spirit. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.